appropriate those words are for the days in which we're found. May the Lord give us that burden in our hearts to pray for the coming again of the Saviour. It's a joy to be with you. Uh, we appreciate the invitation to be at the meeting tonight. Uh, we're always glad to come. I was thinking it's three years uh, next month since last I was here uh, in person because of the, the circumstances of the pandemic. Hard to believe where those years have, have gone to. We were doing the, the series at that time in the book of Hebrews uh, in conjunction with the publication of Dr. Safar's exposition of the, uh, the book of Hebrews. But it's a joy to be with you. Uh, we appreciate uh, you coming along tonight. We're glad to see each one uh, that has been able to be here. Uh, we're not here to receive any earthly accolades from anyone. We're here really because of our conviction of what we believe the scriptures teach, especially with regard to the coming again of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the text that I'm going to take is, is going to be an easy one for you to remember. It's chapter 16 and verse 16. So the chapter and verse are the same of the book of the Revelation, the portion that we read from uh, just a little earlier. It says, And he gathered them together into a place called, in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. We'll just take a moment to seek the Lord, just briefly in prayer. We need his help. Father, your word says, Be still and know that I am God. We ask that you'll still our hearts. We pray that a stillness will come upon the meeting, especially now as we come to your word. We ask that we'll be like Mary. We pray that we'll sit at your feet and hear thy word. We want to ask thee, Father, to teach us tonight. We pray that you'll come and speak to our hearts. We would pray in that prayer that Samuel was taught to pray those many years ago. Uh, speak, Lord. Uh, for thy servant heareth, prepare our hearts, and Lord, give us ears to hear those things that the Spirit saith unto the churches. We ask thee, Father, that you'll be pleased to even reveal to us uh, some of those great events that are yet to take place in a time that is yet future. We thank you for your word. We praise thee for the scriptures, even the challenge that has come to our hearts as we have read the word of God in this uh, meeting tonight. We thank you for this book that's a lamp to our feet and the light to our path to guide us uh, through this very dark day, through this very dark world in which we're found. We pray, Father, keep us near the cross, draw us closer to the Saviour. We thank you for the example of your servant Enoch, that even in the very ungodly days in which he was found, his testimony was that he walked with God. He was a man that was faithful to the Lord. And Father, that's our prayer, that you'll keep us faithful in our walk and in our witness right until the end of our days. Help us to be faithful unto death, knowing that you will give to us a crown of life. We thank you, Father, for your providence that has brought us together tonight. And we pray that you'll bless this gathering, bless us with your presence. Thank you for traveling mercies that has enabled us to be here, health and strength as well. And Lord, we cry again as your servant prayed earlier, have mercy upon this nation of ours. The wicked shall be turned into hell, 
and all the nations that forget God. And Lord, we're saddened to think that we live in such a nation, a nation that has forgotten thee, forgotten your word, your commandments, forgotten your day, forgotten thy son. And Lord, we cry that you'll turn this land again, that you'll be pleased, Father, to move again in great power and turn the hearts of the people again to thyself. So we pray now, fill us with thy spirit. May we be conscious in the remainder of this meeting of the good hand of our God upon us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As Mr. Tom said when making the announcements, uh, the theme that we're going to consider tonight is will there be a battle of Armageddon? I emphasize to you the question is not new. It's a question that has often been asked. Whenever a war breaks out, like the war in Ukraine, or whenever there's a military build-up, like what took place in the Gulf a number of years ago, it is often stated, often suggested, this must be the battle of Armageddon. But I want to make it clear at the start uh, to you this evening, that is a mistake. I think again of the question, will there be a battle of Armageddon? And the answer, brethren and sisters of the word of God, is simply and clearly, no, uh, there will not. I want to point out to you that Armageddon is not a battle. No battle will take place at that location. Uh, no battle will take place uh, in that place itself. That may surprise you because the battle of Armageddon is often spoken of, often spoken of by the secular world in their books and in their films. It's even often spoken about by the evangelical world, uh, by some churches, some Bible teachers. But we emphasize to you that is a mistake to talk about uh, the battle of Armageddon. It's a common mistake. It's not the teaching of the Bible. And it is a misunderstanding of the teaching of the prophetical scriptures. No battle will be fought at Armageddon. Battles have been fought there in the past, as we will point out to you uh, a little later in the message. But no battle will be fought there uh, in the future. And I want us just for a few minutes this evening uh, to consider some of the truths that the Bible teaches about Armageddon especially its place in future events as Bible prophecy will unfold in the days of, of the end. Let me emphasize to you, first of all, uh, where is Armageddon? We want to make it clear Armageddon is a place. That, that's quite a simple statement, but it's a vital fact uh, to emphasize. Armageddon is a real place. It's an actual place. It's not figurative. It's not imaginative, it's not fiction, it's an actual place that is located in the land of Israel. So I stress to you, Armageddon's not in Afghanistan, it's not in Kuwait, not in Iraq or Bosnia, not in the United States of America, all of the places that we hear so much about in the news. And Armageddon is certainly not in the land of Ukraine, as some have suggested uh, in recent months. Armageddon is in the land of Israel. 
It's up there in the northern part of Israel, approximately 80 miles north of uh, the city of uh, Jerusalem. And it's located near to uh, the famous Mount Carmel, or the, the range of mountains in which Mount Carmel is uh, included. You may have been there if you visited the land of Israel. It's a tremendous sight. Armageddon is a vast plain. It's approximately 17 miles long, 30 miles wide. It covers a very large area of land, right from the Mediterranean in the west, right across to the Jordan Valley in uh, the east. It'll interest the farmers, especially to know that it's a very fertile region. There's a lot of barley and wheat and vegetables that are grown there. It's just like uh, the region of East Anglia uh, here in the land of, of England. So where is Armageddon? It is in the nation of Israel. And that's a very important fact to establish at the outset of the message tonight because whatever God has planned to take place at Armageddon, it will take place in the nation of Israel. Don't be thinking that a war in Ukraine or a war anywhere else is Armageddon because it's not. I stress again, Whatever God has planned to take place at Armageddon, it will take place in the land of Israel. So we want to urge you, it has been something that has been done in these meetings regularly over the years. We do it again tonight. We urge you to keep your eyes on the nation of Israel as far as future prophetical events are concerned. Something else as well as where is Armageddon? Think of how is Armageddon known? I point out to you that the name Armageddon, it occurs in only one place in the scriptures. And that's here in Revelation 16, verse 16. So that makes this a very significant passage, a very significant verse. So for that reason, I encourage you to mark or to note uh, this text of God's word. The name Armageddon means the mountain of Megiddo. And the name refers to the fact that the town or the fort of Megiddo was built on a hill that overlooked the great plain itself. But Armageddon is also known in a number of other ways. It's known by a number of other names in the scriptures. It's also called the Valley of Megiddo. That comes from the last part of the name uh, Armageddon. It's sometimes described or called in the Bible the Valley of Jezreel. So it's important for you to know all the names. Uh, it's important to know all the names uh, that this place is described by when you're reading about them in the scriptures and whenever you're studying uh, the word of God just to know exactly uh, the location that uh, you're reading about. So I want to urge you to, to look for those references, uh, to look for those names as you study the Bible and as you do, what you will see, what you will uh, learn is that the Bible has much to say about this place, especially what happened there in the past. Remember that the Valley of Megiddo was the scene of the battle between Barak and Sisera. Remember, Sisera was the captain of uh, the army of Jabin, who was the king of Canaan. In Deborah's song of victory, she said of that time, the kings came and fought. Then fought the kings of Canaan and Tanakh by the waters of 
Megiddo. So Barak defeated Jabin on this great plain, uh, the great plain of Megiddo. But also in this valley, the good king Josiah, remember the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah were distinguished by those that did that which was right and those that did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the good king Josiah, he was mortally wounded when he foolishly fought against Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, on this plain of Megiddo. In fact, Second Chronicles 35 verse 22 states, he came to fight in the valley of uh, Megiddo. In addition, it was on the eastern side of Megiddo, on the mountains of Gilboa, uh, that Saul, the first king of Israel, and his son Jonathan, in fact, all of his sons, remember that Jonathan was the most famous of his sons, but they died in battle there at the hands of uh, the Philistines. And let me remind you as well that after the confrontation with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, Elijah, the man of God, ran across uh, this vast plain, ran all the way from Carmel uh, to Jezreel ahead of Ahab's uh, chariot. So those are some of the well-known, some of the prominent stories. It's clear in the past some very well-known events in Scripture happened in this location, happened on this very plain. And some of those events teach us their foreshadowings uh, of the future. But be in no doubt, brethren and sisters, that the most significant event to take place at Armageddon is something that is still before us. It is something that is yet uh, future. The third thing I'll emphasize is the question, what will happen at Armageddon? If there's not going to be a battle on this plane at this location, then what will actually uh, take place? And the answer is this. Armageddon will be the gathering place of the armies. They're gathering for a battle. What is described there in the 14th verse? Uh, Gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. So they're gathering for a battle at another location. And I encourage you, as you read the verses in this chapter, to notice the emphasis upon the gathering. It teaches us in our text, verse 16, he gathered them together into a place called, in the Hebrew, the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. So it's clear, at Armageddon, the armies are assembled. The armies are gathered. But there's no battle that is fought here. The reality is, there's no mention that is made of a battle at Armageddon. Uh, in these words, the, the emphasis is upon uh, the gathering. Therefore, it's wrong, it's unscriptural. Uh, to speak about the battle of Armageddon. Because at the time of the end, no battle is going to be fought uh, in in this area, on this plain. Uh, It's just the assembly point for uh, the armies. I want to emphasize as well the question, when will the armies gather uh, at Armageddon? I encourage you to think of the context uh, of this chapter. And let me remind you that chapter 16 of the book of the Revelation, it sets forth that solemn time in the future when seven angels will pour out upon the earth the seven golden vials 
uh, full of the wrath of God. And verse 2, at the beginning of the chapter, it makes it clear that the first vial is poured out at the time when Antichrist has emerged and is in power. If you look at verse 2, it says, And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. So it's clear at this time that the Antichrist has arisen. And remember that the gathering at Armageddon takes place at the time of the sixth vial. Uh, that's plainly stated a little further down the chapter uh, in verse 12. It says, And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be uh, prepared. So it's clear that uh, these events, all of these events, including the gathering at Armageddon, will not take place until Antichrist is ruling, and when he is ruling over the revived Roman Empire. And that's an important fact. We, we stress it, it has to be understood. I stress to you tonight that the Antichrist has not yet arisen. No such man is reigning over the Roman earth at this time. And understanding that truth will save you uh, from making mistakes, making serious mistakes in identifying the great gathering at Armageddon. History is filled with great military gatherings, great military battles, even in modern history, even in present time. And often when they have taken place, it has been declared, even by Bible teachers, this is Armageddon. And it has led to a lot of confusion, particularly in understanding of prophecy. But let there be no mistake, because the, the gathering of Armageddon will not take place until the man of sin is uh, revealed. This chapter 16 of the book of Re the Revelation leaves us in no doubt of that fact. The fifth thing I'll emphasize to you tonight is uh, who will gather at Armageddon? Look at the words of the verse 14, especially the middle of the verse 14, uh, to answer that question. Who will gather at Armageddon? It says, For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Notice the words there in the middle of the verse, and of the whole world. It's important to emphasize, to point out, the, wor the word world there is the word archimene. It's the same word used in Luke chapter 2 and verse 1, uh, which declares, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world uh, should be taxed. The idea of that word is it means the Roman world. Take a look at Mr. Strong's concordance and you'll see that clearly for yourself. It means the Roman world, the Roman earth. It's not the cosmos, which refers to the whole planet. By contrast, this world, this word archaemenic refers to all the countries around the Mediterranean Sea. So America won't be there, nor will Australia or India or China. They will not be part of the army to assemble 
at Megiddo. This will be what we could call a European army. It will be made up of soldiers from the nations all around uh, the Mediterranean Sea. The sixth point that's important to emphasize is how are they gathered? How are these armies gathered at Armageddon? Can I point out to you that this is a very striking portion of Scripture? Because notice who actually gathers these armies, who assembles them. Look at verses 13 and uh, 14. He says, And I saw three unclean spirits, like frogs, come out of the mouth of the dragon. Remember, that's a reference to the devil. And out of the mouth of the beast, that's the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophets. For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world, to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Note that the armies are gathered at Armageddon they're, they're not gathered by men or by governments but they're gathered by a satanic power in verse 13 remember that 13 in the Bible is the number of apostasy but in verse 13 you read of the dragon the beast and the false prophet so here's the false or the counterfeit trinity this is the devil's counterfeit after the triune God And we're told that at this time, false or evil spirits that look like frogs come out of uh, each of their mouths and they go forth to work miracles. And the armies of the Roman earth are gathered to Armageddon by these evil spirits. So be in no doubt, this is no ordinary army. It is no ordinary battle. This army is assembled and it's strengthened. It's empowered by satanic Activity. Remember the Bible warns us we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world. So the lesson here is we're in a great spiritual battle with the powers of darkness and that's the sort of battle that will take place at the end of, of this age. Ultimately that will be true of the army gathered at Armageddon So what that means is that this army will not be defeated. It will not be overcome by normal or by natural means, but by a supernatural power. And we'll speak of that in in just a few moments' time. There's a seventh thing I want to emphasize. Uh, It's a very important part uh, of, of this theme. Why are they gathered at Armageddon? Why are these armies gathering together on that vast plain? Well, the answer is to march on Jerusalem in order to attack it and to fight against it. I want to make clear there are two Old Testament prophecies that especially speak and teach about the purpose of the armies that gather on the plain of Megiddo. The first is in the book of Joel, chapter 3, verse 2. In that place, the prophet Joel says... I will also gather all nations and bring them down into the valley of uh, Jehoshaphat. Notice that Joel says, I will also gather all nations. 
So notice the gathering. That's a reference to our theme tonight. The gathering at Armageddon. But then they're going to be brought down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. That's a deep valley between the Mount of Olives and the city of Jerusalem itself. The other great prophecy that speaks of this time and this event is in the book of Zechariah, especially chapters 12 to to 14. And in Zechariah chapter 14 verse 2, we're specifically told, For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem uh, to battle. Note the words carefully. I will gather all nations against Jerusalem uh, to battle. So be in no doubt, brethren and sisters, the scriptures are very clear. The armies are assembled, and they're assembled on the plain of Megiddo, but the battle is at Jerusalem, some 80 miles south of Megiddo. And if you think of the great military attacks in Jerusalem that are recorded in the Old Testament scriptures, let me highlight some of those for you. In the days of Rehoboam, Jerusalem was attacked with a vast, united, innumerable army. It was a confederacy. It was a joint force that included the Egyptians, the Lubims, the Sukims, and the Ethiopians. And also in the days of Hezekiah, remember Jerusalem was surrounded and besieged by the Assyrians. If you think as well of an example from secular history, in AD 70, Titus, the Roman general, marched his Roman legions into the city of Jerusalem and destroyed it. And all of those attacks on Jerusalem, brethren and sisters, they're foreshadowings of what the Antichrist will do just before the Saviour comes again to this earth. He too will lead his army into battle against the city of uh, Jerusalem. And let me stress that the very route that Antichrist's army will take as it marches through Israel from Armageddon to Jerusalem, it is stated and it is recorded for us in the scriptures. It gives us an idea of the detail of the prophetic scriptures that God has given to us. If you think of the words of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 10, especially the verses 28 uh, through to 32, I encourage you to mark the reference. Uh, take time to study it very carefully uh, yourself. He's giving us here in detail the route that Antichrist's army will take. There we are told that he will pass through such well-known places as Migron, Michmash, Ramah, remember the home of Samuel the prophet, Gabeah of Saul, the place where Saul, the first king of Israel, had his his residence. And then finally, the army of Antichrist comes to Nob. Remember, that's where the priests were in the days of David. Nob is on the Mount of Olives. It is modern-day Mount Scopus, where the American University is located. And Isaiah says there, As yet shall he remain at Nob that day. Antichrist and his army will hold back. They will delay for a day before launching the final attack upon the city of uh, Jerusalem. The Bible also tells us, as well as giving us the route that they'll take coming down from uh, Armageddon, it also tells us what the evil desire and purpose of those armies will be in attacking the city of Jerusalem. You know the words of the psalmist, Psalm 83 and verse 4. They have said, come and let us cut them off 
from being a nation that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. So just like Hitler and many others before him, Antichrist's purpose, he will want to come and exterminate Israel uh, from uh, the earth. Just quickly, let me highlight for you a very interesting event that is closely associated with the armies of Antichrist attacking Jerusalem. Look there again at verse 12 of Revelation 16. It says, And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up. Note those words especially. The water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Literally those words at the end of the verse are the kings of the sun rising. So here's something quite remarkable. Just as the Lord opened the Red Sea and just as the Lord also opened the River Jordan to allow the Israelites to pass through the Red Sea as they left Egypt and to pass through the River Jordan as they entered into the land of promise, so at the time of the end the Lord will perform a similar miracle Because he's going to open the waters of the great river Euphrates there in the land of Iraq to allow the kings and the armies from the east to come and attack Babylon. (coughs) Remember, Babylon will be rebuilt. It will be the city of Antichrist. And those kings of the east, they're going to launch an attack upon Babylon. Antichrist will hear a report of that attack as he's... Uh, launching his attack upon Jerusalem and he'll be greatly troubled by the report that he hears of the armies of the east attacking his city of Babylon and as a result of that what Antichrist will do is he will push ahead in his attack upon the city of Jerusalem with even greater force and greater power that's something that Daniel uh, tells us about he foretells uh, these events Uh, Daniel 11 And verse 44, remember that Daniel 11 is the chapter that outlines the wars of Antichrist. And in Daniel 11 verse 44 it says, But tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. That's a reference to the same passage. uh, To what we're reading about here, particularly in verse 12 of uh, Revelation 16. There's going to be a report, tidings out of the east and of the north that shall trouble him. Therefore he shall go forth with great fury to destroy. That's what we've been emphasizing. That report will trouble him. The result of it will be he will go forth with greater power. A greater effort to destroy the city of Jerusalem. And utterly to make away uh, many. Sometimes the question is asked. Uh, is China mentioned in the prophetic scriptures? Uh, you know that at this time a lot of people are suggesting that Russia is mentioned in the prophetic scriptures. We did address that in one of the chairman's remarks in the broadcast and an article that was published in The Watching and Waiting. Well, another question connected with that is uh, the question, is China mentioned in the prophetic scriptures? The answer is they are not mentioned specifically by name. But I think it would be true to say that they certainly could be included among the kings of the east of which we're thinking, considering here those kings of the east that will attack, that will destroy Babylon uh, China being of course the most prominent the most powerful nation in that eastern region of 
the world. But let me finish tonight just with this question. How will the battle end? How will the battle at Jerusalem end? Remember, brethren and sisters, that the Israeli army is a very formidable military force. Now that cannot be denied. You only have to think of their victory in 1967 at what is called the Six Day War. But I emphasize to you it will not be the Israeli army that will defeat Antichrist and his armies and will win the last great battle. It will be the Lord himself who will scatter this military force at Jerusalem at his coming. Can I remind you of what what was said whenever Israel came out of Egypt? Moses encouraged them with the words, The Lord shall fight uh, for you. And that's going to be repeated perhaps in a far greater way. That's exactly what the Lord will do for Israel at the end of this age. He's going to come and he's going to fight. He's going to fight for Israel, fight for their defence. This is how Zechariah the prophet describes it in chapter 14 verse 3. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. So let's be encouraged tonight, brethren and sisters. The blessed hope of the church, the Lord is coming. He's coming again. And one of the reasons he's coming is he's coming to fight. He's coming to fight in defence of the nation of Israel. And that will be the greatest example of divine intervention that this world has ever known. Our land needs divine intervention at this time when we think of the spiritual course upon which it is on. But when the Lord comes and the Lord intervenes for Israel at the time of the end, that will be the greatest, beyond all doubt, the greatest example of divine intervention that this world has ever known. And that his coming, Antichrist and his armies uh, will be destroyed. That wicked whom the Lord shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So will there be a battle of Armageddon? The answer, men and women, is no. There'll be no battle at Armageddon. That is the gathering place for the armies when they march from there uh, upon the city of Jerusalem. He gathered them together into a place called, in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. I pray the Lord will bless his word to all of our hearts uh, this evening.